Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up here in just a few minutes, going to be joined by Chris Blank of Fox Sports Radio. The Sooner Sports Network does radio down in Norman with KREF and also on uh, the Sirius XM Big 12 channel weekdays. You can uh, hear him there. He is all over the place covering OU in the Big 12 Conference. Got plenty to talk about with Plank when he stops by in just a little while from right now. Thomas Bridges is here with me today as well. We are back after a nice couple of weeks off. Got some vacation in. And uh, I went to New York City for the very first time. And uh, I lived to tell about it. And uh, so it's good to be back with uh, Thomas Bridges here on the uh, Jones Report today. Tom, what's happened? Oh, you know, just... Uh... Slowly coming out of uh, summer sports hibernation uh, and and getting my fill of college football article predictions to have the Pokes win in the Big Twelve. Where'd you find that one? I don't know. I'm still looking. Still looking for that one. <laughs> Is that one where you like took the pin and crossed out the champion, put it in Oklahoma State, and then you called it a day? The one of the one of those, yeah. That's something uh, like that. That's a good call. That's a good. That might be the only way you can make that work. Um, besides finding, you know, some OSU blog from written by some guy in their mom's basement of some sorts. That might be the only way. How? I'd probably find it before I'd find the one that has Kansas winning. Yeah, I I, I think that one is in uh, the dark pages of the internet. Yeah. <laughs> you you might be having you might be stumbling upon. Uh, you know, try to find some some hooker online, and then all of a sudden stumble upon some article that says KU is going to win the Big Twelve. Yeah, maybe bad Lawrence back page, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> and then you 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 make a, a one click uh, on on the sidebar, and it accidentally leads to some article talking about KU winning the Big Twelve instead. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, this is not what I expected, but uh, sure, this will work. That's great. <laughs> that is great. Uh, no, no, no question about that. Tom, uh, I went to New York and got to experience New York City, and uh, I have never felt more American than standing by the Statue of Liberty. Uh, that place is uh, it meets the hype. I, I went there, went to Ground Zero, went to Times Square, went to NBC, Fox News. Uh, you know, several different places up there. Uh, New York City, great place. Pocono as well. Went to the Pocono Raceway. Uh, had a uh, nice uh, week or so up there in New York City. And, and I got to say, here, here's the biggest thing I learned from this trip, Tom, is that because you're trying to see so many things in in New York City when uh, when you go to travel there, there isn't a whole lot of time to relax. And so this vacation, I found myself not having much time to, you know, enjoy my vacation per se, rest. I, I did not come back refreshed from vacation. It was more so, wow, I did all these things. Now I'm going back to work. So in the future, if if I make that trip, it's probably not for vacation per se uh, because I, I didn't get the results that most people do for a vacation. Other than that, everything was fantastic. It seemed like it, yeah. It seemed like you were living your best life up there. Uh, how did Pocono compare to K- uh, Kansas? Pocono was cool. The triangle racetrack it was, every turn is different. 
And uh, you know me, Tom. It's it's not a NASCAR race uh, until I get approached by security of some sorts. And of course, that had oh to my god, I was I went all the way out to the the turn three where there's no turn four at that track. That's the only track in NASCAR that doesn't have a turn four. And I went all the way out there to go get a picture. And I was walking back, and security said. Uh, why were you on the track? And I'm like, uh, I got a hard guard. I was taking a picture by the what turn four and security's like, uh, who are you? Why are you out here? Uh, you're not supposed to be out here. And I'm like, oh, sorry. I, I just got my picture. And like, this guy was ready to interrogate me for just going out and taking this picture. But I, I, I lived to tell Tom. You do one of these days. I don't know. I might not ever catch up with you, honestly. From jumping over the uh, jumping over pit road during the national anthem to walking out on the track to turn what turn four, I'm not surprised. I'm surprised you didn't get all the way to the top of um, the Statue of Liberty, which is closed off for renovation and whatever else. You can go to to one top layer, but you can't go all the way to the top anymore and i'm surprised you didn't make it up there right i, I didn't try to do that one because uh I, I didn't have any special media access of some sorts uh so i didn't try pulling that card but uh i, I did do what i can to uh, make it around tom I, I would just say that you know when i do that i'm just being an, an investigative journalist i'm just doing you know I, i'm just being good at my job yeah i mean i guess so i don't i don't know where else you've snuck into but you've lived to tell the tale I have snuck into places with you uh, that we probably can't say on this program. That's all right. You're old enough now. We'll leave that to the imagination of the uh, listeners. All right. <laughs> Tom, uh, once I got back from vacation, I am in all football mode going forward uh, as we enter the month of August. It is, uh, it is here this time, and I'm so excited that it's finally football season, that we finally get to focus on uh, the, the gridiron the months ahead. I, I know we were, we were talking before the show, and Tom was telling me that he's already thinking about the NBA, and that is the furthest thing from my mind right now. I'm all football at the moment. Um, with uh, I made it out to Chiefs training camp a, a couple days ago. We'll talk about that coming up later on. But the college football season, Tom, we are – I don't know if you realize this – because of the new week zero, that you have the games that start before the season really officially starts, we're just about like 18 days away from those, and you have some de decent matchups, including Florida and Miami, to open up the season in Orlando that's coming up in just a couple weeks from now. I mean, this, this thing is almost here. It, it is about time. I, I am sensing this. I need this. And... I was already telling some folks, you know, trying to they're trying to arrange some things like, hey, can can you come here? Can you come to this event? Like once we get to September, Tom, my Thursday nights, Friday nights, all day Saturday, all day Sunday, and my Monday nights are locked up. I mean, those days uh, are are booked. If uh, if you would like to see me, please approach me on Tuesday or Wednesday. Because other than that. And then on Tuesdays, I got some action to watch. So other than that, really, you got Wednesday. Otherwise, just uh, if you try to hit me up any other day, you're you're not gonna not gonna find me uh, unless it's on a football field. So wait a second. Did you say Tuesday? You have Maxim to watch. Maxion, Maxion, the uh, the Mac conference. 
Oh, okay. I thought you said Maxim, like there was like some Maxim fashion show that was going on every Tuesday that you had. I think that might be the first time ever that the Mac conference and Maxim has ever gotten mixed up. Probably so. Yeah, I don't. I don't imagine there's very many Maxim girls that come from the Mac conference. Would you rather watch the Mac conference or or Maxim? You know, I feel like you can watch Maxim anytime. So I, I probably would honestly watch the Mac conference. I feel like the football I don't have anything. The football guy thing to say is the Mac conference. Because in theory, you could have your Maxim girl with you watching the Mac conference. I mean, you could. Not that they would want to watch it. Not that they would want to watch it per se, but if you play your cards right, maybe you can pull that off and, and find some you might. <laughs> You might be able to. Down at Norman, and we'll talk about this with Chris Blake coming here in uh, just a few minutes. To, um, the question that is already circulating is about if Jalen Hurts is going to be the starting quarterback at OU. That that position has not been named. Lincoln Riley is not named a starter yet, and everybody thought that Jalen Hurts coming to Norman was just a given that Jalen was going to be the starting quarterback at OU, but that has not happened yet. We're still, you know, just a few weeks away from the start of the season. Tanner Mordecai had a very good spring and is already off to a good start to fall practice. Uh, you then saw Spencer Rattler, the number one quarterback in the uh, you know 2019 class. He didn't check in till the fall, and apparently he's impressed so far to this point. And Jalen Hurts there it is made for an interesting competition of some sorts. So the the question I I asked Tom, are you buying or selling that this is a legit quarterback competition, or do you think that you know Lincoln Riley's kind of just playing with us that that Jalen's definitely the guy? You buying or selling this quarterback competition as a legit thing? Well, I sold it a long time ago. Uh, I mean. I mean, that's almost laughable. I, I don't think Jalen Hurts transfers to OU if he's not guaranteed the starting spot, at least week one. And you granted a, a huge mess up. Granted, if he, if he shits the bat against Houston, uh, then we can look at this argument again. Now, you say that. Here's what I wonder is, do they have to lose that game, per se? Do they have to lose one? for there to make a change? Because you look at it, Tom, the elite teams in college football have been willing to make changes to put their team over the hump. Clemson last year with Kelly Bryant, Kelly Bryant was a good quarterback. I think we all agree that Kelly Bryant, uh, you know, did very well. He took Clemson to the college football playoff his you know first year as the starter there. And he gets benched in the fourth game for Trevor Lawrence and the rest is history. They go undefeated and win the national championship. You know, Jalen Hurts, who we're talking about, was benched in uh, the national championship game for Tua, uh, Tunga Viola, and uh, Tua ends up taking him to the national champ, you know, winning the national championship game in that sense. We've seen this the last couple of years. In OU's circumstance, here's what I wonder, Tom. Let's say that Jalen is the guy, but, you know, if, if things aren't working out, when do you think is the tipping point? Can, can this OU team make a quarterback change when they are winning? Or do you think that Lincoln Riley is going to have to you know, 
you know, be in a situation where it costs them a game essentially before they make a change. Because one thing you've seen with Clemson and Alabama is they've made these changes without it costing them, that their timing was very good. I wonder if Lincoln Riley has enough experience as a head coach now to see that and be able to make a change before it costs him too much. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Uh, I, I know. I'm. I mean, I don't think anybody predicts him to lose against Houston. I mean, I really don't. But that is one game they cannot lose, and it's don't sleep on Houston. I don't see OU dropping that game, but don't sleep on Houston. If OU was to drop that game, uh, I mean, essentially they have all Big Twelve uh, to still play. In two other conference, you know, out of conference games, not that those matter for the for OU, but um, you drop it. Let's say they drop it against Houston, then they have to be pretty much perfect for the rest of the season to make the college football playoff. Uh, I mean, you lose one, you you essentially get one, and OU doesn't want the first game to be the one. You know that that doesn't give you a whole lot of buffer for the rest of the season. Don't think they will, but. If it's a shaky game, maybe in the other two out-of-conference games, they, they you know, see what the other quarterback has uh, in his arsenal, see how he shakes out. Um, I think they might do that anyway. I mean, with the new redshirt rule, why not? Right, exactly. There, there's no reason why Rattler should not play in 2019 with the way that redshirt rules in place, that you can play four games even as a uh, redshirt with, uh, with this new rule that's uh, that took place last season. And in Jalen's case, you have a guy that is a proven winner that's played in the college football playoff three different times, played with Alabama, and you know before Tua, pe- people's memories are so short, Tom. People forget that Jalen Hurts did take this offense to another level at Alabama. Remember, his, his uh, freshman year was Lane Kiffin's last year there, and they really passed the football more than they ever had before. And, I mean, it wasn't to the numbers that OU is accustomed to, but they were also facing much better defenses in the SEC than OU was facing in the Big 12 Conference. So, you know, there there are some things there. The, the big question I think that this comes down to, the only way that Jalen Hurts is not the starter day one and for the entire season, it only comes down to Jalen Hurts and his passing ability. If Jalen Hurts can efficiently pass the football, if he can move the ball down the field, which is something he did struggle with at Alabama, was moving the ball down the field. If he can do that, he's your quarterback from the start of the year to the finish of the year. And I think the talent level is there. He's got the right coach to you know figure this out. If it's going to work under any coach, it's going to work under Lincoln Riley here. This all comes down to Jalen. I, I, I think that this is going to be his job. I think he will be the starting quarterback when the season starts. But if he loses that job, if he were to give that up, it's no one to blame but Jalen Hurts. This all comes down to Jalen first, and then everyone else after that will uh, kind of wait to see uh, if their opportunity comes. But this is this is still Jalen's job to lose. Oh, of course it is. I mean, he didn't come from Alabama – and, and make this whole, you know, big entry to Norman if it wasn't. I mean, I I would imagine somewhere in a, in a locked room that he was promised the starting job week one. You would have to think. 
Maybe so. Um, certainly uh, a, a possibility, you know, to try or, to convince or given a or given a preference. Right, right. Uh, you, know, you know, there's a number of places he could have gone and to come to OU, but I mean, you come to OU to compete, though. You know that you know. Hey, this is a program that uh, has become quarterback U over the last couple of years. This is not, you know, a situation that, you know, hey, it it's not like that. There's an, not another quarterback behind you that's not good either. I mean, this quarterback produces this university produces so many good quarterbacks. We've seen that over the last couple of years. The the other thing too that I wonder, Tom, is what kind of level of play can we see from Jalen Hurts? What is he capable of if he is the starting quarterback at OU? Do you think? that he can play to a Heisman Trophy level like we saw with Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield. What is the best-case scenario for Jalen Hurts? I think the best-case scenario for Jalen is to be in contention for the Heisman Trophy. I think the more realistic scenario is Jalen Hurts is probably, I think, going to be good enough to be Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year. And you would take that. I think that's more than fine. I think that does OU good. If he wins Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year, that means that he's moving the football through the air, through his legs, and having a terrific season. If you get that, I think that you're more than happy if that's the case. Um, I think that's the realistic goal is would a Heisman, you know, an invite to New York be nice? Absolutely. But if he's, you know, Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year, that's all OU really needs out of Jalen. And they don't even necessarily need that. Uh, I mean, even if he comes second to a, a different quarterback or a different Cough, player, Brock Purdy is you're right. Is or Ellinger? Um, if if he just gets the job done, I mean, he doesn't have to go out there and be Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray to a certain extent. I don't think that's expected of him. Uh, it doesn't matter if you win by one or by hundred. As long as he's out there, if he does enough to win the game, that's all you need. Right, right. I mean, you need him to win games and, and to do that uh, in this offense. The other thing, too, Tom, that you look at when it comes to Jalen Hurts, that you know, when it comes to the scheme and, and where he belongs in all this, is that this OU offense is much different than he ran at Alabama. I don't think anybody is questioning that one bit because I mean, it it just is uh, of what he he ran over there. You know, this is an air raid scheme. You know, they love to throw the football through the air. But one thing that we have seen, Tom, since Lincoln Riley has been OC at OU and then transitioned to head coach was if they are better suited to run the football, they are not afraid to run the football. That if that's their best best path to victory, they'll do so. They've produced some really good running backs uh, since Lincoln Riley has been there. And so with that being said, for those that are concerned that, you know, hey, I'm not sure Jalen Hurts can throw the football, you know, 40 or 50 times a game. If Kennedy Brooks is, you know, running really well or Jalen Hurts is running really well, they'll go with that. I mean, I, I think that Lincoln Riley is a smart enough guy where Jalen Hurts is not coming in to play the OU system and force him to throw 40 or 50 times that Jalen Hurts is coming in to the OU system to figure out what's best to make Jalen Hurts succeed. I think Lincoln Riley's a smart enough guy to figure that out. Yeah, they're not going to force anything on him. They're going to – I mean, they they brought Jalen Hurts in or said, hey, come play for OU. 
not to force him to play an air raid style of offense if he didn't want to or if it wasn't going to suit him. They brought him in because they think, hey, we like how you play. You showed hard at Alabama, and we, you know, we think you can. You think we think you can succeed here, even if that means we use your play style instead of our traditional air raid. Right, and, and the other thing I, I would say is that when it comes to defense, top Jalen Hurts faced the best, of the best in that SEC. I think we're making this big deal of oh, can he fit in OU's offense, OU scheme, and everything. There's going to be opportunities for him to throw the football that weren't there when he was in the SEC. There's going to be bigger windows, bigger gaps to do things. There's going to be more space. That, to me, I think right there opens up opportunities for him to have bigger numbers and to play better than he did at Alabama. Not to mention, other than a half against Georgia where he did lead them to win the SEC title game, we haven't seen much of Jalen Hurts in the last year. He could be a much better quarterback than the last full season that we saw, uh, which is you know almost two years ago now for Jalen Hurts. That's a possibility. For this OU team, whether it's Jalen Hurts or whether it's one of these you know young quarterbacks, and this is where Jalen could have an advantage where you could see uh, the reason why maybe he starts the entire season compared to the other two guys is, other than Creed Humphrey, the center in that offensive line, that OU team is very young on the offensive line. That they're going to be, you know, starting four new starters in those positions there. And, and Jalen Hurts has an ability to run away from pressure. He's a very good scrambler and a veteran quarterback. You know, he, he could you know coach up those linemen and deal with that situation. Um, you might not trust a freshman or some of these young quarterbacks in that situation. That Jalen Hurts for a you know, inexperienced offensive line may be the better option just based on dealing with that, you know, young offensive line alone. Oh, most definitely. I mean, just the leadership that he showed at Alabama, I mean, you gotta you gotta think, hey, even if he's not maybe the the absolute best option or the best talent on the field, he also has the most experience and in, in going into this season you you almost take the chance that you get to have Jalen Hurts for a year and and take that and build your younger guys off of that take him as a building block that's not you know you don't have to go out and win the national championship this year and you know that's a goal every year for OU but it's not absolutely necessary this year it's a, you know use him not only for his playmaking ability on the field but also for his leadership in the locker room now it, here's the the question I have when it comes to OU and you know whether Jalen Hurts is the starter or whether it's one of these freshman quarterbacks. I think Tom, I'm going to go on record and say this, and we're going to reveal our college football playoff picks uh, on next week's show. But if Jalen Hurts is the starter, Tom, I feel really good about OU's chances of making the playoff. Look at their schedule right now. I see you know maybe one loss, but this is the four time defending Big Twelve champions bringing in. A quarterback that's played, you know, in three straight playoffs in, uh, you know, in the national championship game, time and time again. I, I just don't see how they don't make the playoff if Jalen Hurts is healthy and he's their starter all season long. I think they lose a game in the regular season, whether that be to Texas or to Iowa State, or maybe even in the Big Twelve championship game. Maybe they don't win that, but I, some loss along the way. But other than that, just one. That's all I see if Jalen Hurts is the starter all season long. You, though, Tom, you, you think this is kind of the end of the reign for OU, that 
all this uh, this run that they've been on, which has been a very good run, might I add. Uh, you're, you're thinking this comes to an end this year, whether it's Jalen or whether it's these young guys as the uh, quarterback or not. What, what, what's your uh, thought process there? You know, maybe not necessarily coming to an end, per se. Like a pause, per se, in, in what's going like, on? May, yeah, like a pause. I mean, they don't – maybe this is the first year that they don't make – maybe uh, – Maybe it comes down to a Big 12 team doesn't even make the playoff. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm saying out of the last however many years, this is the, this is, would be the year that OU wouldn't make it. I would say. I don't know. It, it's really, to me, it's not necessarily the quarterback because we know the offense is there. We, we know what that is. I think it's going to come down to the defense. I mean, I, we're going to see how good. Uh, you know, this defense is, and it's, eventually, you know, it's going it's, it's to take some time. They're not just going to be a brand new team or a brand new stud defense like in the good old days. Eventually, that take bad defense, eventually that bad defense is going to catch up to this OU team in the Big 12. It's been their problem when it comes to the playoff, and I want to touch on that in just a second, but eventually it's got to catch up with them because here's the other thing, Tom, is that OU's bad defensive numbers – if they don't drastically increase, someone is going to get in their way and win this league, uh, whether it be this year, next year, whatever it may be, and end their run simply by OU's bad defense because not everybody in the league is playing that bad a defense like OU is. Texas really came along, their defense did in the second half of last year. Iowa State's defense looked really good down the stretch last year. Um, I mean, there's a number of teams you could point to. You know, Gary Patterson, his TCU teams have been good defensively over the years as well. I mean, if they don't tighten up this defense, eventually, I don't know if it's this year, I don't know if it, when it is, that will cost them a Big 12 title, that defense. Uh, you know, they, they've gotten away with it. And you know they're off because of great quarterback play, right? They've gotten away with it because of great quarterback play, but eventually that's going to catch up with them at some point in time. Right? It's like KU. The injuries eventually they eventually got the injury bug in basketball, and you know, fourteen years it ended, but eventually does catch up to you. And if they don't figure it out, it will in their you know their little their mini little dynasty on the Big Twelve. It might not be this year. It might not be next year, but eventually that they're going to have to get that figured out. I think they will because it's OU, but in a sense, this might be the year. Who is the uh, the biggest threat to OU to win the Big 12? I, I think it's Texas. And it's got to be. I have Iowa State as the third best team in the league, but um, beyond that, I think those three are kind of in their own group. It's more so like OU, Texas in Tier A, Iowa State in Tier B, and then the rest of the league is after that. I I don't think that you know if you know if OU doesn't win the Big Twelve this year, it's you know Texas is going to win the league. I feel pretty confident saying that if that's the case. But if OU doesn't win the league, Tom, I think it could be a situation where you know maybe they lose to Iowa State and then lose to Texas in the title game of some sorts. It doesn't mean that OU is going to get swept by Texas per se. Um, if Texas does win this league, I mean, there's still a good chance they could split head-to-heads if uh, if Texas is the winner here. Right. I mean, it could be like last year where OU lost to Texas in, in the Red River and then OU can't turn around and beat them in the championship game. That is very possible. Yeah. I mean, that's not out of the realm 
Uh, I mean, in, in the rivalry so tight that if it did come down, I could see the game splitting either way. Here's the, uh, the last question I want to lead to, and we're talking, you know, Sooners for this first segment because we're bringing in Chris Plank uh, as uh, we begin talking Big 12 for the next uh, few weeks here. The last question I have on this that I'll bring up, Tom, is is there extra pressure on OU to finally break through and win a playoff game? We, we talk about, in other sports, the pressure to win a playoff game and get over that hump. Um, you know, one, one of the prime examples, right here where I live in Kansas City, Andy Reid has taken so much crap for his bad playoff record over the years. And a lot of people thought that this past year, if they would not have beaten the Indianapolis Colts, Andy Reid may have not had a job. There were some folks that, that called for that to happen. I think that would have been crazy, but still there was a crowd out there that looked at that. You know, Marvin Lewis – Eventually, his clock ran out in Cincinnati. You know, that, that pro sports level, there is a pressure to win in the postseason. I mean, that clock was past due for Marvin Lewis. It was. It was. But with that being said, I, I'm not implying at all. Don't, don't take this the wrong way. I'm not saying Lincoln Riley should be let go. Not that at all. That's not where I'm going with this. But what I'm saying is, is there a point if OU loses another playoff game in their next appearance, whether it be this year or next year, whatever that may be, if they lose that semifinal and are 0-4 in the playoff, then all of a sudden, Tom, don't we start to look at OU differently and say, well, why do they have any business even be, being in the playoff if they're just going to go in there and lose? Um, I think that's a realistic uh, possibility here where there is pressure on OU to win a playoff game, whether it be this year or next year, whenever that may be, this team has got to find a way to break through. They, they've they been there. They've been in some close situations. They've had the talent to do it, but the one thing standing in their way, it's not Alabama, it's not Clemson, it's not Georgia. It's that OU defense. That defense has got to be the thing that they got to get over if they are realistic about winning playoff games in the future here. Right, and, and the pressure is built when they continually make the playoffs and lose. Now, let's say if they didn't make the playoffs, you know, maybe say, okay, well, we still had a good year and still won our bowl game. But when you continually go to the playoffs and lose, it gets a, even though you made the playoffs, it's still a little bit bitter when you don't win your last game. Right, yes. Uh, that, that's, that, to me, I, I think it's going to be crucial for uh, for OU to try to get a playoff win whenever that next opportunity comes. And it's going to start with that defense. I, I think that's some, certainly something to follow in uh, in the coming uh, years uh, with that OU team is can they break through and can their defense get them over the hump to do so. We're going to talk more about this Sooner team and uh, go around the Big 12. Also talk a little NASCAR as well as Chris Blank joins us on the other side right here on the Jones Report. Joining us now on the Jones Report, he is in the air everywhere, whether it's the Sooner Sports Network, Fox Sports Radio, uh, catch him on the uh, SiriusXM Big 12 channel, and uh, just all over the place uh, during football season, it is Chris Plank who joins us on the Jones Report this week. 
Plank, uh, plenty to uh, discuss here and getting right to it. Is there any way that Jalen Hurts is not going to be the starting quarterback for OU? Because we're we're hearing more and more about these uh, two guys going after his job. Sounds like a uh, very good quarterback competition there in Norman. I I think absolutely there is. And, you know, I, I, I think I may have got a little bit too heated Tyler after Big 12 Media Day because, and part of it too, you do a you do a daily sports talk show and you know the grind of trying to come up with content every single day of the year. I I love it. I think it's great. But when when PTI and different shows like that were just a gas, how dare Lincoln Riley not name Jalen Hurts the starter? Oh, I just can't believe this. What? How is he expected to have to go there and compete? And I think Frank Isola even said he could have gone to Maryland. Yeah, Maryland's on par with OU football. I completely, totally understand that. But this is this is the Lincoln Riley way, man. It's called competition. And it, if you go back historically, I think it's been the Bob Stoops way as well, too. It's what makes it's what makes football great. You don't just get handed anything. Now. If you're a returning starter, that's one thing. You're not going to have a competition unless they they struggle. You know, Trevor Knight was in a competition, A, because it was a new quarterback, uh, a new offensive coordinator, and he struggled a little bit during the time whenever he was the starting quarterback. So, anyway, long answer to a very short and succinct question, Tyler Jones. Yeah, I, I think there's a great chance that a Tanner Mordecai or even a Spencer Rattler could end up snagging this job from Jalen Hurts. But uh, I, I do think with what we've seen so far from Jalen and the limited amount of time that we've seen him throw in practice and in the spring game, uh, he looks really, really sharp. So uh, my my phrase whenever we get in-depth on the Jalen Hurts transfer and how he hasn't been named the starter yet, this is a competition. It's not a coronation. That's how it's always been at Oklahoma, and that's how it's always been for Lincoln Riley. So, so far, everyone seems up to the task. And the one thing we learned on Media Day Friday is everyone sure is tired of talking about it from those who are involved in this mix. Competition makes everybody better. I, I don't see a problem with this as uh, a lot of the either. national media is trying to make this out to be. And in, in Jalen's case, uh, you, you, you look at some of the top programs, right, where he was at at Alabama and Clemson and such. Uh, I mean, it, it takes every ounce to win that national championship. If, if Clemson doesn't go to Trevor Lawrence, they're not winning the title. If Alabama doesn't switch from Jalen to Tua, they're not winning the title either. Uh, I mean, you, you got to make the most of these quarterback competitions. It's not a knock on Jalen at all if someone else gets the job or if uh, if you have a competition go to the wire here. It's just more so alludes to the quarterback play that OU has, per se. Right, and, and I and don't get me wrong. I, I think it's going to take a Herculean effort in order to potentially knock Jalen Hurts from the top of that mountain. I really do. I think he's. I think right now, as it stands, he's probably the best of the three quarterbacks. But it's not beyond the realm of possibility that there is someone that's wearing a number other than one starting at quarterback whenever the season opens up on September first against Houston. But you know what's fun, Tyler? It's fun that we're actually close enough to where we can have one of these conversations and we're not reaching. It's not 100 days out and we're having to speculate on things that we have. We have no idea if it's ever going to come to fruition. I mean, it's it's here. You know, as of today, we're, what, 26 days away from the Oklahoma Sooner opener as we tape this on on Tuesday. And, you know, you, you go back and what, 
So that would be eight days. We're 18 days away from the start of the college football season because you have the zero week, the week zero. And I just got a full slate of exhibition games coming up this week. So I love the fact that now it's no longer a reach whenever you're trying to talk about college football. It's definitely on the horizon. And, boy, what a compelling year we could have in front of us in Norman, then, of course, across the entire Big 12. No uh, question. 12, excuse me. No question. No question about that. Uh, when I look at this, uh, this this situation there, this uh, quarterback play in particular with Jalen Hurts, if he is the starter, if if he is the guy, what do you think Jalen's ceiling is with having two Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks the last couple of years? That's a high standard expectation that Lincoln Riley has set at Oklahoma. Do you think Jalen uh, can be a Heisman caliber quarterback, or do you think that he's going to be similar to what we saw at Alabama those years that he was the starter? Oh, I think he has a chance to be a Heisman Trophy contender. I think. Uh, I, Again, it's it's a really unfair expectation level, right, isn't it, to say that when you start at quarterback, you're going to have a chance to, to win the Heisman Trophy. But in two years as a head coach, Lincoln Riley has had back-to-back Heisman Trophy winners, so maybe it's not as crazy as we think. But, uh, you know, he's put himself, has Lincoln, in a position to where the guys that he decides to give the football to uh, to run his offense are going to have a chance to do some special things. So just – I'll tell you what. We had this conversation yesterday on Big 12 Today, and it was, could Heisman voters, if you get down to it where you have a final five or six guys that you're thinking about it and an Oklahoma quarterback is in the mix, could there be a certain amount of fatigue, Tyler, that sets in from, you know, we talk about OU, or excuse me, Alabama-Clemson fatigue. Well, that's only four previous years of five of the 14 playoffs. So could you imagine how picky we are if we're having – fatigue over back-to-back Oklahoma winners but again it's, it's what's made this trophy so special the question was would there be fatigue from o, from from voters about back-to-back winners from Oklahoma if Jalen Hurts is in that mix and my response was I don't think so from the perspective of it being Jalen Hurts and his story now if it's Tanner Mordecai then maybe if it's Spencer Rattler then yeah they're gonna say oh he's a freshman he's got plenty of time to win this award but if it's Jalen Hurts there uh, I think that you won't have to worry about anyone saying, oh, an Oklahoma guy has won it for two straight years. Someone else has to do it. I think Jalen would become very much a sentimental favorite. And then to answer the original question, I think with the skill set he has shown, I think with the talent that he has around him, I think he's got a great opportunity if he performs well to put him in that mix for the Heisman Trophy this year. Then the ultimate question becomes with these other two guys, if he does get beat out or if he gets hurt and loses his job, whatever it may be, is there still going to be a place, you think, for Jalen Hurts in this offense if he's not the starter, whether it's you know finding a wildcat role or moving him to receiver of some sort? So they, they're going to find a way, you think, to still have Jalen involved. With this being his senior year, he's he's got no other options. This This is it. Well, that's a great question. Um, I think that your point is, is dead on. You know, he this is his senior year. If he gets beat out, if Spencer Rattler is able to, you know, maybe pull off for Oklahoma what Trevor Lawrence was last year for Clemson and can unseat the veteran, then, boy, do we have a completely different conversation altogether. Maybe, you know, maybe Jalen Hurts says, all right, I, I want to stick around, you know. I want to continue to learn from Lincoln Riley, and then maybe he's in a situation if someone goes down to where he can slide in. I, I, I get 
Jalen Hurts came here to be the starting quarterback, right? I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You're, you're dead on on that front. If he loses out to Tanner Mordecai or Spencer Rattler, whew, that's going to be one interesting decision that he has to make because which direction do you go? Do you say, all right, uh, maybe I'll go the Blake Bell route, see how things go for me as a tight end or a wide receiver. You know, Blake Bell's had a nice NFL career. He's with the Jacksonville Jaguars, I believe now. With the Chiefs, actually. So maybe there is that in the mix for him. So, uh, no, he's in Kansas City now. That's right. Yep. Um, but I, I, I don't I don't know. I don't know if that's going to be something that he's willing to do, or if he needs to do. Because uh, when you watch him throw the ball, when you watch him out there in practice, it's almost as if you're seeing a Kyler Murray on steroids, just from a size perspective. The ball comes out of his hand differently. I mean, it's not quite the same explosion, but just from a physical perspective, you know, he looks like he could play about any position on the field, but. I think he is in that mode to where he wants to be a quarterback, and I don't think there'll be any position switch for him. But with that said, I think he's going to win the job. I think he's going to start Tyler, and even if he doesn't, I think they'll have packages to take advantage of his versatility. Yeah, yeah, I I think so. I think so. When I look at this OU team, Plank, even if they – you know, lose a game of sorts. This is still, you know, going to be a playoff team, it would look like. I mean, even if this offense falls off a little bit compared to what they were, because it's going to be hard to replicate those numbers, especially with, you know, losing Kyler and, you know, four out of five starters in the offensive line. If that if that offense drops off a bit, I, I don't see many losses on this schedule for this team. I think maybe one, maybe you lose uh, one of the games to Texas, you know, in, in – whether it's the Big 12 title game or in the Red River shootout. But other than that, I don't see where the losses are with this team. This seems like that this team is, uh, on paper, going to be a playoff team once again. Yeah, I hope you're right. Um, <laughs> I think I, I do think one of, the, one of the benefits of kind of the almost regular schedule of teams that are participating in the four-team playoff has been that Oklahoma has – found its way back into that mix on a consistent basis. I think one of the downfalls is for certain teams, and I think you know maybe, maybe I'll put Oklahoma in this mix more than I would a Clemson or an Alabama, uh, and part of this might be just based on the national perception of the Big 12. I think part of the problem is, Tyler, that people have been looking for a reason to leave an Oklahoma out. I mean, heck, think about last year. Think about last year. Kirk Herbstreit Kirk Street was the driving force to have Georgia be that fourth team in, and outside of Oklahoma. I mean, and I guess technically Oklahoma ended up being the third team in, but, you know, that, to me, it just kind of shows you how you never know which media narrative can end up getting set late. And I feel right. like with the way that the defenses in the Big 12 have been scrutinized and questioned and then obviously how they performed, I think they're always looking for ways to try to slide either another SEC team in there or what they view as a more complete team. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, they're schedule-wise, they're in a good spot. Derrick King is one heck of a quarterback for Houston, and I think he's going he's gonna to give them fits in the opener. I think that's going to be a, real, a much tougher opener than what people realize. I think the difference is Houston's defense is not nearly as good as it was when these two teams played five years ago. You know, there are, right. what, four, four guys who are playing in the NFL – that started in the front seven 
of that defense for Houston, including Ed Oliver, who was a true freshman. So anyway, uh, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, the schedule is one that I think opens up a lot of opportunities for them to have a, a ton of success. You know, the Texas game is always going to be tight. That trip to Stillwater, unless the bottom falls out for OSU, is always challenging for Oklahoma. And, you know, you've got to take – there's no I, I, there's no pitfalls. There's nothing you look at and you go, oh, ouch, that could be looming. You know, UCLA is a little bit scary just because of what they're trying to build. But if you, if you play, you know, 70% uh, good football, I think you can win that game. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. The schedule shakes out with them to where they've got an opportunity to really go out and, and end up, I, I always consider them about 11-1 and one heading into the postseason. But, you know, Tyler, you're closer to it than me. But what about a trip to Manhattan? You know, you start thinking about Chris Kleiman trying to develop something and build something. Who, who's, who's to say that Skylar Thompson isn't out of his mind on a Saturday afternoon in, in Manhattan and Kansas State gets its signature win? Or, or, I don't know, even going up to Lawrence and how that could end up being a struggle. Look what Puka did last year against right. Oklahoma and Norman. So maybe, I'm, I'm always kind of a paranoid guy whenever it comes to certain road trips like that. But Maybe the, Austin, both of those maybe the Austin Kendall revenge game of sorts, you know what I mean? Yeah. Sure, yeah, absolutely. The only thing that makes me feel a little better about that is it is at home. But West Virginia has typically, I think the last couple of times it didn't go so well, but they've typically played Oklahoma fairly well whenever they come to Norman. So there's always little pitfalls. I, I've, I said there's no pitfalls, and I just said there's pitfalls. How about this? There's always little storylines like that right. that concern me uh, when I'm looking ahead. But then again, I think about the reality of it. And if they, if they play their game, if Jalen Hurts is what he's cracked up to be, and if he's not, then say a Tanner Mordecai is, is ready to step in and you get that consistent running game and the, the four new offensive linemen mesh, they've got an opportunity to do something really, really special this year. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And and you brought up the point about you know the playoff and some of these uh, talking heads trying to look for reasons to leave OU out. Not, not trying to sound like you know hot take guy here by any means, but do you think there's any pressure on OU in particular to – whether it's this year or next, whenever they make the playoff again to finally break through and at least win one playoff game, considering their 0-3 record in the playoffs at this point, do you think that that pressure is high to to finally break through and just get a playoff win at this point? Yeah, 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 it's big. It's big. I think that's – there's the cement that you need on the foundation. You know, it's I, – I, I'm not a builder or a contractor, but – uh, if you were to use an analogy of that nature, I feel like I feel like the plan has been drawn, right? The, the plan for long-term stability, we have the the area marked off on the property where where we've dug and we've got our foundation dug out and the, the, the Sooners are set. Now we've laid the concrete. We need that concrete to dry, and for some reason it's not drying. Well, we can't build that national foundation until we play in the championship game. And in the new era of the four-team playoff, I think that's the next step that has to be taken. And then in that, win it. I, I've had so many debates about ranking the conferences already, and uh, we're not even into mid-August yet, so I figure I'll have many more. And obviously the knock against the Big 12 is, well, the defense. Okay, great. But look at the final score of some of the past championship games. You know, we're talking about 40-, 50-point games, overtime games. Uh, everyone is needing to score points in college football. But um, they got to win a title or at least play in the championship game for a title. Oklahoma has, you know, the first 
The first go-round in the 14 playoff against Clemson didn't go so well, but it was a tight game at the half. The second go-round, they should have beat Georgia. You know, they, they should have beaten the Georgia Bulldogs, and it just slipped right between their fingertips. And then, of course, last year, if they just get anything defensively in that first quarter, you know, we're talking about a much different game. How many teams in college football can fall behind Alabama 28 to zip and have themselves in a position where they're making it a, a, a one-score game? potentially late so uh it's just that they've been so close it's you gotta you gotta pay off those because the paranoid side of of fans is this you've wasted two of the best quarterbacks that you may have in the history of OU football because you weren't able to stop anyone right that's that's the big negative if you're a glass half empty fan that's that's where you're coming from right now. We had the two greatest quarterbacks maybe in Oklahoma history. They won a Heisman Trophy. They were the number one picks in the NFL draft, and we didn't win a national title because we couldn't stop anyone. You be negative fan, boy, you're going to have a lot of um, gut-wrenching nights looking back on that. But I tend to think that with what Lincoln has done offensively and with the excitement for quarterbacks coming here, they're going to have a chance to have the next Baker Mayfield, the next – uh, Kyler Murray. I, I don't think recruiting quarterbacks ever going to be an issue. Getting that defense where it needs to be, and then as you said, Tyler, winning that playoff game, getting to that championship game, and taking home one of those skinny trophies. That's that's where Oklahoma can strike that blow to where maybe the rest of the national media stops and says, oh, okay, well, they got a complete team now. They, they're not going anywhere for a while, and we're going to have a hard time finding anything wrong with them. Right. Well, if you remember, you know, Bob Stoops was ripped for his record in the BCS. And, right. you know, 0-3 in the playoff, you don't want to continue down that route. I mean, before that yep. becomes a big narrative of some sorts, uh, for sure. We're joined by Chris Plank here on the uh, Jones Report this week. Uh, looking at the Big 12 as a whole, OU the favorites. Texas is right there. Iowa State uh, has done really well under Matt Campbell these first two years he's been there. How do you see the Big 12 play? out how many teams do you think could be bowl eligible out of this league right now it's kind of weird because if you walk that balance and you say oh i think west virginia can get bowl eligible then you are you knocking out maybe the potential of an oklahoma state because maybe in one of those swing games kansas state beats them i i don't know right so here's the way i look at it right now there is two teams that could factor in to the playoff conversation in Oklahoma and Texas. There is then one team right now who seems to be just a notch between those two in Iowa State. There is one team that unfortunately we look at and say they're probably the worst in Kansas, and they may have the best running back. And then anything between three and nine, I've kind of looked at it and said, I have no idea. I, I, I absolutely have no idea. TCU rarely has back-to-back bad seasons. Does Alex Delton, does he step up and take the reins at the quarterback position or now any one of the other five guys who are in that uh, competition with them? So does TCU step up this year? Uh, is, it, is it a year where I, I really like Baylor? I really do. And I don't know if I'm just falling for him because, you know, it's, a, it's another year of Charlie Brewer, and I liked what I saw from him whenever he was on the field early against Oklahoma. Uh, and they've got their speedy receivers. But, you know, Matt Rule has not been able to get that defense where he was able to get it while he was at Temple. And I'm pretty sure he's recruiting better players at Baylor than he was at Temple, just going out on a limb here. So he's not able to get that defense where it needs to be. So that kind of gives me a little pause. And they have every big game at home. Um, Oklahoma State, if Spencer Sanders can be that dual-threat quarterback that they've been waiting for, who knows? 
who knows? And then you have the unknown of new coaches in Manhattan and Morgantown and, of course, out in Lubbock, whom I love Matt Wells to death, and I think he's going to do some special things. But um, I think in that mix, I think the Big 12 can, can easily get seven teams bowl eligible. Now, that might be – that's going to involve a couple of upset wins. I need West Virginia to take care of North Carolina State or Missouri to help me out there a little bit. But it's going to be a rough year, I think, for Kansas, Kansas State, and then – I don't know, maybe you throw to West Virginia in that mix as well, too. But I am I am fascinated, uh, Tyler, with watching how this thing plays out because I think there's as much intrigue from three to nine. And I, I'll go ahead and say three because how does Iowa State handle that bullseye on their back? There's as much intrigue as three to nine is just about, you know, anything going on in any other conference in college football. Right, right. I'm, I'm with you. It's going to be an exciting year, no question about that. And uh, these new coaches are going to make it fun as well, uh, including Les Miles right here at Lawrence. Uh, on, on the NFL side of things, seems like that uh, you guys are uh, still, you know, having a love fest with Baker Mayfield, rightfully so. It, it, tell, tell me about this, Plank. Uh, d- down there, it seems like you know. Kyler Murray is liked, but Baker Mayfield is loved. Uh, I, I saw that uh, you know thirteen hundred in Tulsa is going to start picking up the uh, Browns games mm-hmm. and such. I mean, what, t- tell me about this to give a perspective for the folks out there just how big this relationship is still going on between OU and Baker, it, between OU fans and Baker. It's pretty fascinating. It's Switzer esque. It's Switzer esque. I I saw Pop and we talked about it a little bit yesterday on his show in Tulsa. Uh, it's very much a love fest, kind of similar to what Oklahoma has had and always will have with Barry Switzer. Now, unfortunately, Baker never had a national championship, but he is as beloved as any figure as I can remember in OU football ever. Um, you know, he's going to have a trophy. Or, pardon me. He's going to have a statue outside of the stadium. So is Kyler Murray, but something tells me if you were to then gauge the amount of pictures taken in front of a statue, the Baker Mayfield statue makes that all-time record because that's just that's how special he was. And I don't really know the best way to quantify it or describe it except to say this. He was everything that Oklahoma had been looking for in a quarterback for a while. And Landry Jones holds every single passing record in OU football history. But it was just he wasn't he wasn't beloved like like Baker was. He had a much different personality than Baker had. Much different personality. Um, think about think about the success that he had then too and everything that he went into. I mean, it was just, it was fascinating to kind of see how he became everything you wanted and not just success, but also in his personality. It's, it's rubbed off on the Cleveland Browns now where they are. And I, I heard a great comparison at his pro day. When Hugh Jackson said, <clears throat> excuse me, when Hugh Jackson said he's like the Pied Piper of OU football, and that's perfect. That's what he is. Everyone followed his lead. Everyone kind of followed what he had to say, the direction that he wanted to go. And he led it because, you know, he was, he was uh, brash. He was uh, opinionated. He was good, I think is the best way to put it. And he did it all with a passion, not just for football, but with a passion for being a Sooner. So uh, this was his favorite team growing up. This is where he always wanted to play. No one remembers that when Baker Mayfield came to Oklahoma, they had about six quarterbacks on the roster, and everyone thought he was crazy because there was an incumbent in Trevor Knight. And he comes in and takes over and becomes not only a Heisman Trophy winner, but maybe one of the greatest quarterbacks in Oklahoma history. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it was incredible to see. And now, Plank, uh, you know, looking at it, it's so unique that the NFL has changed where these Big 12 quarterbacks have a place in this league. And not only just a place, but uh, right at the front of the table. You know, Patrick Mahomes right here in Kansas City, uh, you know, winning the league MVP. Baker Mayfield winning the rookie of the year. Kyler Murray being the number one overall pick last year. This is changing the game. It's refreshing to see these guys, you know, from, from our backyard step up and, and take the NFL by storm. Especially when they've been so questioned, you know, especially whenever – you know, Big 12 yes. coaches, or excuse me, Big 12 quarterbacks were, uh, for lack of a better word, a disaster in the NFL. You know, Brandon Lee never pe- uh, panned out. I kind of think Robert Griffin III has actually had a pretty nice career. I just don't know if it's number two <laughs> overall in the draft good that he's had so far. But, yeah, Big 12 quarterbacks couldn't get it done. And then, lo and behold, Patrick Mahomes, Baker Mayfield. We'll see Kyler Murray this year. It's, it's changed the entire mindset. And it's changed the entire league. I, I said this a couple weeks ago. Um, I think I think the running quarterback is going to become the latest trend in the NFL. Not to say that we haven't had running quarterbacks, but I think you're going to see it more and more. I mean, look at Raiders camp even. John Gruden was talking about wanting to get Derek Carr a little bit more mobile. So I think you're going to see it change the, the NFL offenses and kind of change the way, obviously, they perceive Big 12 quarterbacks. No question. And with all three of those guys, too, they're still pass-first guys. I think that's what's different True. compared to the, the Vic era is they're not running to great plays. They're running when stuff breaks down, and that, I think, changes the whole game, changes the whole perspective. Uh, Plank, uh, you, you following this uh, this race to the uh, NASCAR playoffs closely? Uh, it seems, seems like we've oh, had absolutely. a fun year absolutely. so far. I, I will say this. I was very jealous that you got to go up to the Poconos. That's a trip that I've always wanted to make. Um, these, these road course races have really become something else. And I hope NASCAR is, is, is what, recognizing this, what took place at Watkins Glen. I felt like, I don't know, Tyler, you, you probably watched from start to finish much more intently than I have recently with three kids begging me to turn the channel the whole time. But um, it just seemed like between Martin Truex Jr. and Chase Elliott, it seemed like they were battling for the lead the entire race. So... I've dug what's happened the last couple of weeks. We've got good drama now with Kyle Busch and everyone in the field hating him. So I think this has been fantastic to watch and to see guys like Jimmy Johnson fighting for a playoff berth. This is, I don't want to get too carried away here, but about as good as it gets. Bristol's right around the corner. This has been a fun time to follow the sport. I see the ratings are starting to tick up just a bit, and that's what this sport needs right now. It seems like that this is finally what people wanted, per se. You know, a playoff system that's competitive as far as getting in and also, you know, down to the wire itself. Wins matter more than they ever have of some sorts. Uh, You know, the competition, uh, not like last year where it was only three guys winning every week. This year we've had, you know, a a lot of parity so far this year. Chase Elliott, that was only his second win of the year. Uh, I mean, it's made for some exciting racing. It seems like this package itself has been exciting as well. Yeah, and, you know, I I, I know I've been a 20-year NASCAR fan, and I you know, you can see where the problem started. It's just they got a little bit carried away with some of these uh, mile-and-a-half or, or two-and-a-half ovals. What's Atlanta? Why do I – mile-and-a-half ovals. And it's just frustrating because you can get you can get stuck in ruts where it's a fuel mileage race or it's a, a tire conservation race. But I think with some of these new packages that NASCAR has tried out, I think it's uh, – I think they're finally finding a groove. And 
more short track, more road races, more super speedways. Count me in. I love where NASCAR is headed right now. And their young talent is incredibly compelling. Yes, uh, no, no question. And it's taken a while for those, those guys to catch on, but they're finally getting there. Uh, and, and Chase being the uh, prime example of that with what he's done in the last two seasons with uh, five uh, wins in the last two seasons. been a fun, no question about that. Plank, uh, we're out of time, man. Thanks for joining us. Uh, where, where can people catch everything you're doing these days? I mean, you're, oh my you're gosh. all over the place now. No days off. Well, the best thing to do is give me a follow on Twitter. I'm at Plank Show on Twitter, all one word. And, you know, weekday mornings we're doing a very Sooner-based show from 9 to 11 on Sports Talk 1400, sportstalk1400.com. And then Sunday nights I still have to uh, spar with Arnie on Fox Sports Radio, so make sure to give us a listen. We have a good time. Please, please, uh, don't don't let him get away with uh, that Pac-12 smack that he, he tries to throw around. Oh, my around. gosh. Bless his heart. It's almost become humorous, hasn't it? Right, right. Uh, all those uh, <laughs> those West Coast games now trying to put those at 11 a.m. I mean, like, come on. It tells you a lot about that league right there. Uh, Blake, <laughs> Absolutely. Appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, man. All right. See you, Tyler. Be good, bud. Big thanks to Chris Plank for joining us here on the Jones Report today. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges back here with you now as we continue with the second half of the show today. And, Tom, I picked up a box of Mahomes Magic Crunch, and the stuff is delicious. It tastes like Frosted Flakes. Uh, I feel like I am ready to go out there and be an MVP and go lose in a championship game. That's kind of the vibe I get every time I eat this Mahomes Magic <laughs> Crunch. Yeah, you should have had some Slam Dunkin'O's. <laughs> Was that the Tim Duncan cereal? That is the Tim Duncan cereal. I don't think they actually make it, but it's in an H-E-B. I think an H-E-B beats out a high V. H-E-B. I love H-E-B. H-E-B. There's H-E-Bs, I'm pretty sure, with Waterburgers in them. Oh, my gosh. That's... Could you I imagine grocery shopping? You get your typical McDonald's or your Subway or something in your grocery store, but then your grocery stopping, you can get a, a patty melt. That's a game changer. Oh, it is. It's a life changer. I would never You're leave. Not... H-E-B is like my favorite grocery store in the country. I love it almost as much as I love Whataburger when it comes to fast food. And put the two together, that's that's lethal. I like H-E-B. You know what I like that I feel like a lot of people hate on? I love Reese's. I don't like Reese's meat. You know, every time I've been to Reese's, it's been an enjoyable experience. I I think Reese's owns the market a bit too much down in Oklahoma. They they need uh, more competition. I mean, I I say that just because Bartlesville doesn't have one. So when I do go, it's like a kind of more of a special event for me because I why would I grocery shop in Tulsa? Um, but do you still call the uh, the food pyramid Albertsons? Uh, every now and then, I'll catch myself off guard, and a lot of the older people in Bartlesville still call it Albertsons. <laughs> oh, that's great! That's great. Uh, you, you got like Homeland up there, don't you? Oh, uh, you know that's where I go. Actually, that is where I shop. Homeland. And every now and then I'll shop at United, and they're like partners. The uh, United, I believe they're the sponsor of a Texas Tech's arena. It's the United Supermarkets Arena. Is it really? Yes. I did not know that. I, You know, Lubbock, I could see them having a bunch of Uniteds. That, sounds, that seems like a town that would have 
So every time United. you shop, every time you shop at United, you're you're giving money to support your your Red Raiders. You know that was one of my first jobs. It was actually at a United. Really? I also worked at Food Pyramid. Really? I did. That was when I was like 15, 16. They hired you, huh? They did, and I I left them for the for the the hood gas station that paid me under the table. Paid you in cash, and you didn't have to go against did. taxes? I mean, you couldn't beat that. Hopefully the IRS isn't listening to this show right now. but I hope that they go back and they can go back and track that long. I mean, they could, but they won't. Right. I think they got. They have a few more important things to do. Uh, right, it's not that much money. <laughs> I mean, right. Let's be real. I, I think I made a mistake when it comes to this uh, Mahomes cereal, Tom, is that I only bought one box at the time thinking, oh, yeah, I'll just go back and get more. Uh, they've been sold out for like a week since I bought it, and they're going for like 160 bucks a box on eBay. I'm thinking when the next round comes in, I need to stock up on this stuff and just sell it galore and maximize my profits i would uh 110 percent uh i mean you i mean even if you paid the shipping you would still be coming out way ahead would it be a d-bag move would, for yep. me to eat the box that i'm you know eating right now and then just you know put the box for sale on ebay someone would buy the box if I did, would I need to clarify on the post that it's just the box, not the cereal? I think you can get banned from eBay for, like, like uh, you know, falsifying, like, knowingly falsifying to trick someone yeah. into buying it. I'm pretty sure you can get a ban. So I it would, might work once. Maybe one time, because I'm just going to sell it once, too. But then, well, I mean, if you wanted to sell multiple different boxes, okay, I guess you're, yeah, but then you couldn't go through and sell your other boxes after you stock up. That's true. That's true. So I think you're going to sell point. that one last. I think that's a good idea. That's a good call. Uh, and that's why you're here. That's why you produce this program every week, Tom, because you have great ideas just like that right Man, there. He's doing the best that I can to help you commit fraud. You're just looking out for me. You you, you have my back. You know, I rub if your you back. Went, if you, you went rub. to jail for fraud. Would you bail me out of jail, Tom? I would try. I would let you sit there for a couple of days so we can come <laughs> back next week and you can talk about your experience. For the content. Right, I would do it for the content. You know what I would do? I would come pay you a visit and we'd do it live. We'd do the show from, from jail? That'd be great. They'd be like, okay, you have 30 minutes. I'm like, all right, we got to pack an hour plus some change into 30 minutes. We're going to do a short show, just an update that I am alive and I'm in jail. You would, you, you would take your fast-talking skills you got from New York City and put them to work. You know, Tom, this might surprise you, but when I was in New York, I was shocked that uh, – New Yorkers, they have, they get a bad rap. I only had one issue with a New Yorker. This gal ran into my backpack at a Starbucks, and she blamed me for it and said, I better watch it on the subway. But other than that, everybody was friendly. Everybody went out of their way to be nice and help me out, uh, especially NYPD. If I had a question, like trying to wear, you know, trying to figure out where I wanted to go or whatever, um, or even if I didn't, like NYPD went out of their way to help me out uh, to make sure I was okay and just you know trying to get around. I mean, that is the best police department in the world, and uh, the, the people were very nice there. I, I was pretty surprised. That's because you didn't go into New Jersey. I did go to That's Jersey, they, actually. 
Oh, you did go to Jersey. I, I knocked off five states I never went to in this trip. I knocked off uh, New York, Connecticut, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and then I made an un- unexpected stop in Wisconsin on the way back. Did you really? Yeah, I missed my flight back to KC. By oh, about I two forget. Minutes. You went to Milwaukee. There you go. Yeah, missed my flight to KC by about two minutes. Found myself in Milwaukee. So check that one off the box. Uh, not how I anticipated that day going, uh, but I did make it back eventually. So, but. I think we were talking Chiefs at one point in time about this. Um, then you ended up in jail, and then you went to New York City and Jersey, and then you ended up in Milwaukee. Yeah, that's how this story uh, went around. Uh, a few different curves as far as that goes. But, Tom, uh, Chiefs starting training camp, and a lot of these same things that we said about OU when we were talking college football, I think you could apply to the Chiefs in that you know they have a quarterback, not just any quarterback, the quarterback and Patrick Mahomes, um, a terrific offense. You know all those weapons are there offensively for this team, but the big thing that this team still the lingering issue is this defense, and I felt like they significantly improved with the changes that they made in the offseason, bringing in Frank Clark and. Tyron Matthew and some of these other guys, just to name a few of what they did to this defense. I feel like you're going to see a significant improvement. But, you know, everybody's talking about these position battles, you know, whether it's Miko Hardman looking good in camp or, you know, who's going to be the starting running back, you know, whether it's Damian Williams or Carlos Hyde or, you know, whether these one of these young running backs like Darrell Williams or, uh, you know, uh, you know, steps up to the plate. Uh, you know, whether it's Darwin Thompson, I don't think any of that matters with this offense. This Chiefs offense is the best offense in the National Football League. Um, you know, they're explosive. They, they could do it all. It's that defense that is going to be the difference in whether the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl or if they're not in the Super Bowl. It still comes down to that defense. The million dollar question. And we're not going to have any answers to this, I think, here in the next couple of weeks uh, with just training camp. We're going to have to wait till the regular season gets going. Is is the Chiefs' defense good enough? And, and Tom, based on the changes that we've seen with this defense, you know, switching to uh, Spagnola's uh, scheme of what he runs that uh, you know that four three defense and such, I think they have made enough changes. Do you think? That was Spagnola coming in, the players they brought in, the Chiefs, have they done enough to get over the hump? I mean, they've made a valiant effort at it, and it's it's odd that Kansas City sounds a whole lot like the team we discussed on the first part of the show down in Norman. Uh, I mean, they are a lot alike in many different ways, uh, just except the fact that uh, Andy Reid is no Lincoln Riley. Um, but with that being said, I think bringing the Honey Badger in and, and making other moves on defense and bringing Steve Spags in, uh, I mean, they haven't just sit around in the offseason. They have been proactive about trying to make their defense better. Will it be successful out of the gate? Will it be better than last year? Yes. Is it going to be enough to win the Super Bowl? That's why we play the game. Right. That's the uh, the great question that, that comes down to with this uh, Chiefs team is uh, is that defense alone. And, and it's so interesting, Tom, that you look at this 
this group and you know special teams is as good as any special teams unit in the league. That offense, as we mentioned, you know they got the MVP. They got you know an explosive attack. I, I think all the problems that you may look at with this team, whether it's the running game or you know, you know whatever it may be, they are all minimal compared to the issue that is that defense. And that that's what's interesting when when you look at all this, Tom is when you dissect this and examine this, is it really comes down to just one thing. I hate to oversimplify things at times, but in that case with this Chiefs team, that's just it. That's all it comes down to is this defense with this team. That's uh, what's crazy is that, you know, when this season's over with, we're going to be able to point to one thing and tell you if that is the reason why that they won or the reason why that they didn't get to where they want to achieve is because that one thing. The only other thing, here's the only other thing I think that can stand in the Chiefs' way. There is actually one more thing, and that is injuries. If Patrick Mahomes were to go down, um, Chad Henney's not taking this team to the promised land. I can tell you that right now. No offense, <laughs> Chad Henney. But, There's uh, no Nick Foles. Uh. No, not at all. Um, that's not happening. So I guess that's the other item in this is you know injuries of some sorts, if that were to be the case. But other than that, it's pretty – self-explanatory. I, I heard Andy Reid say this week that he would like to see Patrick Mahomes in his next progression um, you know, take the limits off, per se, this offense. And I found that kind of crazy to say because this is the same guy that was throwing no-look passes and just unleashed last year and did things that seemed out of this world. And I, I think you're going to see more of that and less turnovers from Patrick Mahomes in 2019. I think he's going to be even more efficient than what he was a year ago. And that, that's the thing you point to. The two things that can stop Kansas City are its own defense and the injuries. Yeah, of course it is. And then you have Tom Brady uh, that could stop them too. But he's a year older as well. So the Chiefs, like you said, they can only, they can only stop themselves. And, and, you know, injuries happen to everybody especially in the NFL, so it's going to be kind of how they, they manage those and, and hopefully that it's not anyone major. You're going to be buying um, uh, Tom Brady's $40 million house anytime soon? You, you know what, mate? If I win the lottery, I will, just so I can celebrate it when the Rams win the Super Bowl this year. Do you get Giselle with the house? Uh, that's an extra $5 million. Oh, that that's an easy investment right there. Yeah. <laughs> um. And uh, I won't say anything more than that because I don't want to get in trouble. We'll, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I'll, I'll be politically correct for a moment there. But uh, the, the other big NFL news, Tom, go down south to Dallas. And uh, I, I guess really you should we should say west to Oxnard. Uh, no wonder, by the way, before we get dive into this too much, no wonder people hate the Cowboys – you know, the America's team mantra and all this, that this group would play their their uh, training camp in L.A. And, you know, not where their fans are. You know, they, 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 they're in one of the largest states in America. And, of course, the Cowboys are going to play their, you know, do their training camp in, uh, in L.A. at Oxford. I know they've been doing this a while now, but it's still one of the most douchebag things I've ever seen of a franchise just turn their backs <laughs> on their own city, in their own state. You're like, nah, we're going to California. We're going to L.A. to do our training camp. It's still uh, got to be one of the most 
uh, you know, outlandish things I've seen, Tom. You know what they're doing in California? They're spying on the Rams. Yeah, clearly. Spy, Spygate 2.0. That's what that's, I mean, that's what happened this year. All right, that's it. It's had to be. New conspiracy theory. Yeah, and Oxnard, that's not too far from Malibu and everything. Um, I mean, they're, they're living it up out there. But uh, the, the one guy that's not there right now is uh, Ezekiel Elliott. He uh, came out on Tuesday, a, a report from ESPN's Josina Anderson. Um, T- Tom's a big Josina Anderson fan. <laughs> that, that's, that's your girl. Uh, right. <laughs> Josina Anderson reported that uh, Zeke will not play until he gets a new contract, much to the effects of what we saw with Le'Veon Bell last year. And, Tom, I, I do not like this. I do not like this pres- precedent that sets you signed a contract, you played to it, you still got two years left on your deal, play out your contract. You know, go go make this work and go get that money, you know, when that time comes. Um you know, who, who's to say? Here's the other thing about this, too, is there's not a league rule that says, as far as, I, as far as I'm aware, Tom, correct me if I'm wrong on this, that says you can't sign an extension during the middle of the season either. In Zeke's case, just go ahead and keep on playing and then get the contract whenever it gets worked out. To me, that is so selfish, so self-centering to not do this and not go uh, – to do this and go this route – that he's doing here. He's only hurting the Dallas Cowboys. And in the Dal- in, in Dallas's situation, Tom, um, in their case, with this team, and you have the best offensive line in football there, uh, right there in Dallas with what they, they have, you know, the last couple of years. You know, Dak is a good quarterback, but he's not elite. And the receiving core is good, but not great per se. This team is reliant on Zeke. Zeke is, you know, right in the heart of the prime of his career right now. And they don't have a running back behind him that they can turn to and say, well, we're just going to move on and be your future. In the Steelers' case last year, what's different from, you know, the Cowboys' situation compared to the Steelers is they had James Conner behind Le'Veon Bell, and they were convinced that James Conner was just as good as Le'Veon Bell, or at least close to, and a lot cheaper. And sure enough, his numbers were almost identical to Le'Veon. He had a great year last year, was a pro bowler. So they were just fine. They didn't need Le'Veon Bell. In the case of the Dallas Cowboys, that is not the circumstance. Alfred Morris, that old has-been running back from Washington, he's their number two running back. And no offense to Alfred Morris. He's had a pretty decent career. But Alfred Morris is not your future. I I hate to say it, Tom, but I feel like Dallas – has got their hands tied. I, I feel like as much as I cannot stand Ezekiel Elliott, um, you know, for all the things that he's done, you know, the head case that he's been, I don't feel like Dallas has a choice but to go forward and give Zeke a new deal and get him on the field because uh, if this team is going to contend based on the way that they have shaped this roster, Zeke has to be the centerpiece of it. Oh, of course he does. And, and if they don't – sign Zeke to whatever he wants if they don't make him happy then that's not going to make the the fans happy and 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 really and, and maybe the the biggest case of this that the fans in a way dictate a lot of what happens maybe not a lot but in a certain case you got to make the fans happy in Dallas because there's so many of them 
Uh, they're essentially stakeholders in your company that is the Dallas Cowboys. But they don't get and to if, a training camp. Or, or, okay, that's true. And then, I mean, there's so many, I guess, not serious Cowboy fans. That's going to come with any team that has just a bunch of fans, ones that, that just complain on Facebook. But it's still going to be, you know, you, Dallas just not even, you know, their woes since the 90s. Um, you know, they got to have Zeke. They got to have a – to be America's team, you got to have at least some star power. And if you don't have Zeke, you don't really have any. Right. The, the, they got to have him on this team uh, to play a pivotal role because they, they just don't have the other options, the other pieces to to make this work. And, and Tom, I like this Cowboys team when Zeke's there. I think that, you know, best case scenario for Dallas, Tom, is, you know, this team is in the Super Bowl. Best case scenario. Now, a lot of things have to work out their way. But, I mean, if Zeke's there and this team is good to go, this is a playoff team. Good chance to win their division. I think I like Philly a little bit more. But Dallas has to have Ezekiel Elliott. That's the other thing, Tom, is that Dallas is not in a situation where it's not like they're in a rebuild or something right now or you know, something of that effect of some sorts, this right now, you still have Dak and Zeke on their rookie contracts. You know, and and Dak, I guess, in this case, would be a little bit longer uh, if Zeke's going to get his new deal. But you have to capitalize on the moment that they're in right now. And, and so far from what we've seen from the Dallas Cowboys is that despite having that good young talent there, they have, what, one playoff win to show for it? They haven't maximized on this, so they have no choice but to sign Zeke and, and make this work uh, to make the most of the opportunity because uh, uh, the clock is ticking on before these guys both get new deals and then really limit their roster. Right. I mean, uh, it's, the time is now. Do I think they're going to get the deal done? Yes, but also because Dallas really didn't have a choice. Uh, I mean, I don't know how much he's going to get, uh, but I'm sure it's going to be lucrative because the balls in his court, I mean, he can pretty much demand, you know, anywhere north uh, of a lucrative deal. Um, and he's probably going to get it. And I just, I mean, he's good. He's one of the best backs in the league. Uh, in, in some cases, the best on some days, on some Sundays. But uh, just the way he's holding Dallas hostage is just not conducive to good locker room. And the other thing, too, is that well, what we learned from uh, this past offseason, Tom, the trade market is not too kind right now when it comes to getting rid of these guys. Some people say, well, they ought to just trade Zeke, whatever. Um, I mean, the Steelers got, what, a fourth-round pick out of Antonio Brown, who is arguably the best receiver in the league. Um, you know, some of these other cases, they couldn't even get a deal for Le'Veon Bell that was worth them making a deal for. You know, some of these other, you know, situations and such, the trade market teams are just not making those trades there. Uh, the, the belief is that in the situation of Zeke, whatever, that, okay, we'll lowball them. And, you know, if, if we make the market low, then essentially that's more likely that he leads to free agency and we don't have to give anything up at all. Um, so it, that's not the answer here is not to just trade him because there's not much that they can get back for what he's really worth. Right, yeah, they're going to have to make a deal. or uh, you, you know, 
at this point, if they do trade him, they're like you said, they're not going to get anything worth having back, uh, and, and they're going to be worse off without him, and, and worse off with you know instead of just just giving him the money that he wants. Uh, so I mean, he's got Dallas cornered pretty good right here, and from a from a player's rights or player's negotiation standpoint, he's got Dallas checkmate. Yeah, he's got a uh, he's got him owned. Um, I, I believe there is a uh, a little bit vulgar word that that I won't use that uh, that you would say that you know Zeke has made the Cowboys his, and then you can finish from there uh, <laughs> to get the idea. But that's kind of the situation that they're in right now, as far as that goes. Tom, we got a couple more minutes left, so before we get out of here today, let's get to our Tom Fullery story of the week this week. What do we have this time? So Jones probably, you know, this goes along with the 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 Mayo Florida story. I'm trying to think of the most disgusting or outrageous food stories that we've heard. Uh, and, and to spoil Jones, I know we talked about this is not the Taco Bell story. This is not the Taco Bell Hotel and Resort. This is even worse, and I can't believe this is even a thing. And I will not be eating one. And and not even not even for a bet. This just looks and sounds disgusting, but this is what it is, and I can't I I cannot believe this is real. Oscar Meyer gives the people what they need. What do you think, Jones? Just from that, what would you guess that the people need from Oscar Meyer? Um, it's got to be some nasty hot dog. I think I read this story, but I can't remember the specifics on it. It is a mustard and hot dog ice cream sandwich. Oh, I did see this. Yes, this sounds horrible. No, thank you. This, oh, my gosh. So just at the top, they break down the bits. Spicy Dijon gelato, a cookie bun, hot dog sweet cream, and candied hot dog bits. I don't believe this. Branding is a difficult business to begin with. If your product has been around a long time, it's even tougher to find ways to keep it fresh, to appeal to new customers, and to know when it's time to shake things up a bit. For Oscar Mayer, the vulnerable purveyor of processed meats and music festival lodging, the time is apparently today, National Ice Cream Sandwich Day 2019. This is, you know, a couple days old, but... Uh, still relevant and the vessel through which it will connect with the people is an ice cream sandwich flavored with spicy mustard and hot dog meat bear witness they tweeted who eats just mustard Frenches they added the mustard company Frenches condiments were made for Oscar Mayer hot dogs say hello to the Oscar Mayer ice dog sandwich flavored ice cream made with our better hot dog sandwich with spicy mustard do you want to try this coming in August it was, came down to a, to a vote. The top answer was, there's two answers. The, f- the first one was yes, ASAP please. And then the second one was no, I eat condiments solo. And by a whopping 72 to 28%, no was the answer. The ice dog sandwich contains candy hot dog bits, hot dog sweet cream, spicy Dijon gelato, and a cookie bun. And not only does it exist in defiance of God and country alike, but if you're in New York City area the week of August 12th, the Wienermobile will serve one to you. Or you can slide into Oscar Mayer DMs and try to sample it elsewhere. As referenced in the above tweet, it will also arrive just a day after in Los Angeles at the at the Los Angeles-based ice cream company, Kuhas, 
partnered with French's for another different mustard ice cream. Since the takeout won't be passing final judgment on the ice dog sandwich in any way until we can maybe, just maybe, have a chance to try it, we will leave you instead with the now necessary inversion of one of our favorite questions. Is the ice dog sandwich a hot dog? First off, no. <laughs> the first comment on this is, I'm not a religious person, but this is a hideous abomination unto the Lord. <laughs> That's offensive. Yes. This is disgusting. They should not. That, this should be against the law. That should be... Um, whoever made that should go straight to hell. Right now. Uh, yeah. Don't even worry bad. about living the rest of life where it just goes straight to hell. This is bad. Can't I, You know, I can't even let alone, you know, like regular hot dogs out of the package. It's, the juice gets on me. Gag. Yeah. If I like some, like you see a lot of kids can just eat a hot dog cut up cold right from the package or just eat it. Absolutely cannot do that. I'm out on that. No, thanks. Um, you say that you would not do this for a bet of some sorts. What would be your starting price of what it would take to get you to eat this thing, Tom? Oof. You know, I could do the mustard gelato. I could do that. No problem. I like mustard. Okay. It would taste terrible, but I could do it. What about but the would be ice cream sandwich thing? I couldn't do the candied hot dog bits. It would have to be probably starting price, and I would probably negotiate down. But just to say, it's kind of like you, you know, the car buyers up to price. So when you negotiate down, you get to a more realistic price. Right. I would probably start the bidding, and then maybe negotiate down from maybe a thousand dollars. A thousand dollars to eat an ice cream. To eat an ice cream. It's because the the hot dog bits in the ice cream. I could not. I mean, it's not going to be. I'll say this: as disgusting. I would negotiate down to five hundred. As disgusting as it sounds, I mean, it's not Chipotle, so it's not going to kill you. It's not going to give you salmonella of some sorts. I mean, you're going to live. It won't taste good. You know, I can guarantee that. But it's not going to be satisfying, more than likely. Tom, I would probably. I would eat this thing for probably 50 bucks. Probably 50. Can I negotiate you down for a $20 bill and a patty melt? $20 bill and a patty melt? I think that could be done. I don't know if I could do it. It's just a hot dog in it. You know what I want to see? I want to see Joe. But it's Chestnut. not like it's not cooked, though. I mean, it's like there's no way that they, it's not uncooked. I mean, it's going to be sanitary, it's going to be fine for you. Oh, I mean, I, I mean, I would probably throw up though. Would you? I think so. I, I think as soon as the hot, as soon as I tasted the hot dog, it would be ball game. Oh, <laughs> uh, now I'm tempted to get one. You just wouldn't eat it just for the hell of it. No, I would not eat it just for the hell of it. No. <laughs> no. No. Yeah, you, you pay me, you know, fifty bucks, and. uh or pay me, you know, 20 bucks and a patty melt will make it happen. I will do my best to find one of these. They're only in New York right now, I believe. So here's the deal with, the, like, the, the Patrick Mahomes Magic Crunch. I guarantee someone gets a hold of these and, and has them on eBay and ships them in dry ice. Guarantee it happens. Yeah. I'm a little skeptical when it comes to dry, it comes to dry ice. That's one thing that, that weirds me out. Yeah. 
Not as much. This, that dry ice doesn't weird me out as much as this. Oh, no, no, no. I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, but a there cookie, is something. A cookie bun. So you're getting cookies and mustard for one. No. And then cookies and hot dogs. No. You know, Tom, most of the time I eat my hot dogs just plain. Just the. Not cold. No, not cold. But I'll order a hot dog and I won't put anything on it. I'll just eat that in the bun. Yeah, I like the mustard. I don't like ketchup on my hot dog at all. I uh, definitely don't like... Which is worse? Mustard ice cream or ketchup ice cream? Uh, Ketchup ice cream. Yeah, I think so too. I don't like ketchup, but I like mustard. I like ketchup on fries only. I like ketchup... Uh, I don't like ketchup on anything. I do like... Uh, I like my hot dog plain... But if I'm going to have a corn dog, I need some mustard. Right, right. You know, we used to work at Quick Trip. There was a few people that used to do this. They would get a hot dog from Quick Trip, put it on a bun, and they would put grape jelly, the jalapenos in a little package, and what else did they in in mayonnaise. Grape jelly, mayonnaise, and jalapeno on this hot dog. And I about gagged every time. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, I did, but I don't know if that would be worse than candied hot dog bits and ice cream. Like, right. what is hot dog sweet cream made out of? Do you even want to know? No, I really don't. I mean, it's just the, it's the end times are coming. I think. Right. This is this is no way acceptable. This is this disgraces every ice cream sandwich ever made. Tom, uh, I, I don't know if you know this, but I really love Elvis Presley. Um, and, and and this will make sense here in just a second. This will be relevant in a second. Um, you know, my family's got you know connections with the Presley family and everything. They go way back. That's a whole another story for another day. But I really love Elvis. And there was this sandwich that Elvis ate um, that he made famous. It was peanut butter, banana, and bacon. As a sandwich, and you know, I could get down with that. You would toast it, you know. It'd be uh, it'd be toasted as well. Um, so it'd be like a you know, you know, PB and J kind of peanut butter, banana, bacon, all together. That is something that I could eat. The Elvis sandwich is something I could do. You know, this whole you know cookie, you know, hot dog, ice cream thing, I'm out on. But I could, I would give a shot to the Elvis sandwich. Oh, yeah, I mean, peanut butter, banana, delicious. And then bacon, I mean, it's kind of all like breakfast foods. If you had, like, you know, peanut butter waffles or peanut butter pancakes with, you know, syrup on them, syrup goes with bacon. And, you know, peanut butter goes with bacon. Like, uh, you know, I don't see. that. That's not too out of the realm. Now, would I just make one? No, but if one was made for me, I would eat it. I would not eat the hot dog ice cream sandwich. Right. Absolutely not. Right. Um, Casey's just opened its first store ever in Lawrence, Tom. And I, I was with Tom the very first time I tried their breakfast pizza. We were on our way to Oklahoma from Kansas City. And I was just amazed by this breakfast pizza. Well, Tom, uh, I, I had that again today. And, I mean, I just felt like I was in heaven having that breakfast pizza again. I mean, that stuff is good. That's legit. Now, the uh, the other thing that was funny about this, Tom, 
I, I don't know if this is a bad job by me or or what. You can tell me what you think. But the, the other night, I, I uh, was with some friends, and uh, we wanted some pizza. And so we figured we would, you know, get some Casey's pizza then. And uh, I call up, and they said it was going to be a 45-minute wait. And I get there, uh, and it's only carryout. They don't have delivery yet. And I waited another 20 minutes after the 45 I'd already waited to get my Casey's pizza. And it was good. Um, am I crazy for waiting over an hour for a Casey's pizza? You know what? We've, on multiple bar nights, we've waited in Casey's like 35, 45 minutes for them to put another pizza out, only to just decimate it as soon as the guy puts it out. Because <laughs> we didn't want a whole pizza, like, right. but we probably should have just ordered one. But we were fine because the guy said he had one in the oven, so we would just wait on that one instead of waiting on him to make a whole new one. Right. So we thought, okay, well, we'll just do that. Um, they did used to have a mac and cheese pizza that was out of this world good. That does sound good. And then, and then honestly, as much as I love Pizza Hut, they also had a hot dog bite pizza, and I just thought absolutely not. Right? Yeah, I'm out on that. But right? Yeah, it didn't did you know? I'm not even a big a big hot dog fan. If we're gonna do something like a German sausage. Or like a bratwurst or something. Right. Right. Um, but I, I did eat that Casey's pizza. It was good. And, uh, I mean, I, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Casey's. Since they put this Casey's in, Tom, every time I've driven by, I kid you not, it doesn't matter if it's in the morning or the night, whatever. This thing opened on Thursday. Today is Tuesday when we're taping this. The parking lot's been full every single day I've been by there, Tom. Quick Trip's going to have to step up their game in Lawrence. They're about to open a second Quick Trip, so we're going to have two Quick Trips and two Casey's. The battle will be on. The uh, gas station wars. Uh, it'll be intense, and I'm all for this. I am here for this, Tom, the gas station wars. On that note, got to run. We'll let the gas station wars continue after the show. We'll leave that to the gas stations and get out of their way. Um, big thanks to Chris Blake for joining us. Uh, give him a follow on Twitter at Plank Show. He uh, does some great work uh, all over the place. Uh, if you're looking for people just to talk Big 12 or OU and such, some NASCAR or whatever, I mean, Plank is your guy doing a great job with that. Uh, so uh, make sure to give him a follow there and check him out doing uh, some fantastic work. And uh, and Lawrence, he's on our station, actually, on KLWN on Sunday nights with Arnie Spaniers. So you can listen to him there and doing a great job there. Subscribe to the show, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. And uh, give us a follow on social media, Twitter, at Tyler Jones Live, at Thomas underscore Bridges, at TJ Media Group, uh, Facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, uh, Tyler Jones Media Group, and uh, Instagram, Tyler Jones Live. Insta Thomas and a Jones underscore report. You can find us there. We will see you right back here next week. Have a great one, everybody. This has been another edition of the Jones Report. So long. The Jones Report. F- yeah.